This is an ICGC Cornerstone podcast. At Cornerstone, we believe in the power of the Word of God to transform lives and empower people to influence their generation. And now, time for the message. Today, I have a message from you, for you from God, which I've entitled, Faith That Works. Faith That Works. The faith that God gives us is meant to work. We are meant to put faith to work. We are meant to give faith an assignment. Faith is not meant to be dormant. Faith is not meant to be in a position of rest. In Romans 12 verse 3, the Bible tells us that God gives each and every single one of us a measure of faith. The day that you came to God and you made a vow that I'm going to save you forever. I'm going to make you the Lord and Savior of my life. He gave you a measure of faith. He gave me a measure of faith. So let's say that measure of faith is one. So when you give your life to God, he gives you one measure of faith. But the interesting thing about faith is that faith increases. Faith grows. The the apostles in Luke 17 verse 5, they cry out to Jesus. And they say, Lord, increase our faith. We see you do so many things. And we know that the level of faith that we have will not let us possess the things that you have promised us. So increase our faith. We also hear Paul talk to to, to a church in the Bible. And he tells them, he prays for them, he tells them that you church, the Thessalonian church, I pray that your faith will grow. So faith has the ability to increase. And one of the ways that your faith can increase in this year is if you put your faith to work. It's if you put your faith to work. You know, we've been fasting for 14 days. And, you know, whenever you have to fast, after a month of celebration like December, it's not for the faint-hearted, right? So I personally like to fast, but whenever I'm fasting, right, every other sense in me is heightened. My sense of smell is heightened. My sense of sight is heightened. Because science tells us that if you lose one of your senses, every other sense becomes awakened. So during this fast, I mean, I can be sleeping in my house and my neighbor two or three houses away from me can be preparing some good meat light soup. And your girl will be lying in bed and I can already sense that God is sending a message to that woman for my sake. I can be sitting in traffic and I can see from a distance the alasasela. Like I can see how she's majestically carrying that... If you want to bless me this year, you know the two things that I want. Good meat, alasa. I'm a simple woman. So whenever I get hungry, my other senses awaken. But it's not just as, as normal human beings walking around. Jesus, God made flesh when he was on earth. The Bible tells us that one day he was moving out of Bethany to Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that he was hungry. The king of kings was hungry. 
And scripture tells us that he sees from far away, from a distance, he sees a fig tree. And he sees that that fig tree has leaves on it. And so our king of kings and our lord of lords is praying and hoping that there are fruits on that fig tree. Bible tells us that he goes towards the fig tree. And unfortunately for the fig tree, not for Jesus, there were no figs on it. Scripture tells us that there was a reason why there wasn't any fig tree on any figs on the fig tree. Because it wasn't the season of figs. But Jesus, however, told the, the fig tree, spoke to the fig tree, that because you were not able to produce, because your job is to produce, and because you're not able to produce, you will never be able to feed anyone again. They continued their journey, him and his disciples, to Jerusalem. And this is what happened on their way back. Let's open our Bibles to Mark 11, 20 to 24. Mark 11, 20 to 24. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, Look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24. Therefore I say to you, Whatever things, I, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Can I get an amen from you? There are three things that Jesus tells his disciples to do. He says, if you want to have a faith like mine, if you want to have a faith that works, there are three steps you have to take. And the first step that Jesus says is that you have to have faith in God. If you want to have the kind of faith that moves mountains, you have to have faith in God. Faith is not mystical thinking. Faith is not creative thinking. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not positive faith thinking. Faith is believing in who God is, believing in what he says about you, that's his promises, and believing in what he has done. So when Jesus speaks to his disciples, and say that, well, you have to have faith in God. Jesus is telling his disciples, have faith in who God is. Have faith in the essence of God. Have faith in God's characteristics. Have faith in his attributes. And in Genesis 1, we are told that in the beginning, God, I don't know about you, but Genesis 1 is one of my favorite scriptures. The intro alone is dramatic. The intro alone gives us a foretaste of who this God is. It says, in the beginning, God, the God that we serve, I'm here to announce you that he's God all by himself. That he was not, he's not a God made by human imagination. He's not a God made by human hands. He exists all by himself. He cannot be destroyed. He cannot be nullified by what people say. He is in a category of his own. He is God all by himself. So Genesis intentionally said in the beginning, God, he exists outside of time. He has no age mates. He has no co-equals. He is in a class of his own. 
That is the God that we serve. But Genesis doesn't just end that in the beginning, God. It continues to say that he is the creator. He's the creator of heavens, of the heavens and the earth. He's the creator of you and me and everything that roams on this earth. He, it is through him and for him for which everything was created. Nothing was created or nothing existed without God. God is the one who spoke the world into existence. And so when you have faith in God, you have to know that he is the creator of everything. Everything is under his foot. He is the God who roams and everything bows to him. He is God. But it doesn't stop there. Genesis tells us that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the earth was without form and void. And the spirit of God, it hovered over the waters of the deep. And then God steps and says, let there be light. He's the creator that causes light to come out of darkness. He's the creator that makes something out of nothing. He's the creator that brings vegetation out of barren land. He's the creator that makes seas and waters out of the desert land. We serve a mighty God. And if you know that this is the God that you serve, there is no reason why you cannot move mountains. There is no reason why you cannot do exceedingly abundantly above what other people do. He is God all by himself. There is nothing that he cannot do. But when Jesus says have faith in God, he's not only talking about who God is, his essence. But he's talking about what God has said. The things that God has promised in his word. When you read through the scriptures, you will not find your name. And even if you are called Abraham, the Abraham that God was talking about, it wasn't you. The Sarah that God was talking about, it wasn't you. That you are sitting here in Ghana as a black man and a black woman. It was not you. So God has made so many promises in his word. God has spoken to people in his word. He has promised them so many things in his word. And the promises of God that he spoke years ago and decades ago and centuries ago, you can still claim them in your life. Even though the, your name might not be there, the promises in God, Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, that the, for the promises of God in him are yes. And in him are amen to the glory of God through us. What this scripture is saying is that whatever promise that God has made to anybody in the Bible, it applies to you because it is amen and it is yes in Jesus. And I remember when scripture tells us that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we are in Christ. And so those that are in Christ, you should know that the promises that God gave in the Bible applies to you. It is living, it is potent, it is active, it is working. You can claim it into your life. So in Isaiah 41 verse 13, God says that he is a helper. The scripture says that for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. In Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, he says he would never abandon you. 
This is what the scripture says. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. If you feel alone, this scripture is for you. When you feel like everybody has left you, this scripture is for you. He will never leave you, neither will he forsake you. So do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Because God will never leave you nor forsake you. In Isaiah 58 verse 11, it says that he is our satisfaction. You know, in the midst of January, and in the midst of the Hamatan that literally came from nowhere, we need to be satisfied. So this is what Isaiah 58, 11 says. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never it says that in a sun-scorched land, in a land that is not supposed to produce, in a land that is never supposed to feed you, in a land that is not supposed to give you anything in return, that is the place where God will satisfy you. So I don't care where you are in this world. All I can tell you is that if you find yourself in Christ, the promises of God in him are yes and amen. If you need satisfaction in this place, you can receive satisfaction because it's his promise towards you. In Jude 24, it says, no temptation can overcome you. It says, now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. The things that cause other people to stumble. The things that cause other people to fail. The things that cause other people to fall. The things that cause other people to give up. God is saying that his promise towards you is that regardless of what other people's testimony is, he's going to keep you from tripping. He's going to keep you from stumbling. He's going to make sure that you become a world-watered garden. He's going to make sure that you triumph. He's going to make sure that you are victorious. You cannot stumble or fall. The Psalms tell us that he will send his angels concerning you to guide you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their wings so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. A thousand may try to fall at your side and 10,000 may attempt to fall at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You only observe with your eyes the punishment of the wicked. No matter what trap, no matter what agenda, no matter what scheme was planted to trip you, I declare over your life that you will never stumble, that you will never fall, that you will remain strong, that your faith will be strong, that your trust will be strong. His promise is to keep you. His promise is to keep you from falling. I love the scripture. Henry says you will not even stumble. Like, forget about falling. No. You won't even get to fall. Because he won't even allow you to stumble. Oh God. God's word is so sweet, guys. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, he promises us victory over death. It says, but thanks be to God, who gives us victory through Christ. 
You have victory over any circumstance that comes your way. You have victory over death. You have victory over sicknesses. Nothing can come and attack you because victory is your portion. You are victorious going in. You are victorious coming out. There's victory that surrounds you. There's victory that surrounds your family. There's victory that surrounds your health. There's victory that surrounds your business. There's victory that overshadows your children. Wherever you go, you must see victory. It is your portion. In January, you see victory. In February, you see victory. In March, you see victory. In April, you see victory. Victory all around. I don't know what situation has lied to you that you will fail. Today, you have to claim the promises of God that you are victorious. It also, Jesus also says, when he says, have faith in God, It's not just having faith in who God is, his essence. It's not just having faith in God's promises, what he said. But it's also having faith in what God has done. The stories in the Bible, they are not fictional stories. They are not meant for you to just read and that's it. They are meant to encourage you. They are meant to show you and give you a glimpse of what can become your life and your story. So the stories that we hear of Hannah, about Rebecca, about Elizabeth, about Sarah, about how they were barren. But God steps into the scene and changes their their story and changes whatever was called barren and makes them fruitful. You You have that story in your Bible, not because it's a nice story. Stop reading the Bible like a storybook. Read the Bible as God's manual to you. He's, this, he's showing you who he is, his essence. He's showing you what he has done so that you can believe what is about to happen in your life. And he's showing you his promises. Number two, step two. Jesus says, not only must you have faith in God, but you must say something. At every point in your life, you're going to have something that opposes Your faith in God. You're always going to have something that will challenge your faith in God. And that thing is what we call a mountain. You will face a mountain once you are alive in this world. Jesus faced mountains. So you will also face mountains. There is no drug, no immunity. Stop praying that the mountain will move. The mountain will be there. But I will continue to preach. Jesus is here using mountains as a metaphor. There is nowhere in the Bible where we see Jesus, right? King of kings, Lord of lords, go to a mountain. Takes up the mountain. Hurls it into the sea. There's no scripture. But Jesus is still saying, That there are certain things in your life that are mountains. We don't see Jesus lift up a mountain physically. But we see Jesus feed the 5,000. We see Jesus calm the storms. And in this scripture, we see Jesus wither the fig tree. All those things are mountains. 
regardless of how big it might seem or how small it might seem, right? Once it opposes who God is, once it opposes his promises towards you, once it opposes what he has done in the past, his reputation, it is a mountain. Anything that comes and tries to destroy God's reputation is a mountain. And so there are so many mountains that we face in our lives. And it can be the mountain of fear. Fear of the present. Fear of the future. It can be a mountain of depression. It can be a mountain of poverty. It can be a mountain of sickness. It can be a mountain of unfruitfulness. It can be a mountain of insecurity. It can be a mountain of timidity. It can be a mountain of confusion. It can be a mountain of anxiety. It can be a mountain of chaos. All those things are mountains. It's only those who have faith that can speak to the mountain. Because the mountain is not meant to stay in your life. For those whose faith is not in God, they are the ones who would accept and tolerate any mountain. This is how I am. I was born with this. You tolerate a mountain. It proves that you don't have faith in God. Those who do not have faith in God are those who wish that their efforts will be removed, will remove the mountain. You think that it is by you, your wisdom, your connections, your ability that will cause you to move the mountain. Proves that you don't have faith in God. It is those who do not have faith in God who wish that in due course their mountains will disappear. Oh, we'll let it just, you know, work itself out. It proves that you don't have faith in God. Those who have faith in God believe that mountains are supposed to be moved. They believe that mountains, they can speak to a mountain and it will dry up from the roots and will be thrown into the sea. It is those who have faith in God that can step into a situation and say, this is not of God. The one who has faith in God can see a situation and say that God has promised me something different and what you are supposed to do according to Jesus is not to look at the mountain and smile. It's not to tolerate the mountain. It's to rise up and speak to that mountain. It's to say to that mountain, fear be gone. Timidity be gone. Anxiety be gone. Self-doubt be gone. You are not made to sit in your mountain. Mountains don't come your way for you to accept it. Mountains come or are there so that you can activate your faith and move it. And in this year, one of the assignments you have to do is to put your faith to work. Every single month, give your faith an assignment. Because when you give your faith an assignment, you are telling God, God, look at this situation. But you have said in your word that if I am in you, you will give me peace of mind because you are the prince of peace. So I bring this opposition to you and I declare according to your word that not anything that comes in contradiction be gone. You are not meant to celebrate it. You are not meant to sit and cry over it. You are not meant to pat it on the back. You are not meant to say, oh, this has happened to my uncle and my grand-uncle. You are meant to speak to it for it to be gone. Faith without works is dead. 
you have to put your faith to work. So in this year, one of the things that General Vasia told us, he said, you have to open your mouth and say both things. You have to open your mouth wide and believe God because some of the things and the dreams that God has placed in your heart and some of the things that God has placed in your hand, man cannot help you. Woman cannot help you. Connections cannot help you. The only thing that can help you is your faith. Because your faith is a weapon. Your faith is a tool that God has given you. Your faith is something that God has placed in your hand. And that is why he says, in the beginning, I gave you a measure of faith. Because you need it. For you to survive, you need faith. You need to put your faith to work. We can't be Christians who say, I have faith, but nothing shows. Something in your life has to show that you have faith. And in this year, you have to give your faith an assignment. Thank you for listening to the message. God bless you.